I know for some of you, you are new here today, and um, we're, we do baptism a little different, and we do a lot of things a little bit different, and maybe you've never prayed with Bon Jovi as the soundtrack. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sure that um, somebody was mildly offended. Maybe it was Mr. John himself, Bon Jovi. I don't know. Um, now, while we like to have fun, we do take some things very seriously here at the Orchard. We are all about loving God and loving people and Jesus Christ, who this day is built upon. And so I want to welcome you. I don't know um, how or why you got here, whether you want to be here, whether someone drug you, whether you just heard there was donuts, or you're here to watch a baptism. I'm glad you're here, and I'm going to pray that um, during this time, God speaks to you. Because our hope here at the Orchard every Sunday is that we come here and we have an encounter with a divine God and leave somewhat different, that every day we leave a little bit changed. And I'm just going to be upfront with you today. I want, just so we're all on the same page, I want you to consider being a Christian today, despite the fact that you might know some Christians. You might even work with some Christians, or maybe like someone in your family is a Christian, or maybe someone dragged you here and they're a Christian. And I want you to consider it because of Easter, and maybe today you would consider yourself a Christian. Well, I want you to reconsider what that means today in light of Easter. I want you to consider re-engaging rededicating, re-upping, because on Easter we know what to expect, don't we? On Christmas we have a fleecy little baby Jesus that's cute, and then Easter's all grown up. I mean, we got passion of the Christ, and there's um, blood, and there's like, you know, a tomb, and there's, it's a little different. We know what to expect, but I want to remind you of something today, and that's that Easter is actually not about the cross. Did you know that? We've come to think that, but Easter's not about a cross, I don't even think the cross should be the first thing we think of when we think of Jesus. That's often the first thing we think of. See, the miracle of Easter and the central moment of Christianity is not even Jesus dying. As William Wallace taught us, all people die. And I don't know if you know this, but see, when I do a sermon like this, um, my name is Daniel, I, I'm one of the pastors with Charlie Associate. When I do a sermon for this, I like to just delve into the research. So I was on Wikipedia for hours. And I just came up with some... I just came up with some statistics, and I don't know if you guys know this. This is mind-blowing. Ten out of ten people die. And I, I dug a little further, and this is incredible. This was shocking to me. Do you know how on TV there's always four to five dentists that agree? And there's always that one dentist. He's just so stubborn. He's like, no, I can't agree with that. <laughs> they polled the dentists. Five out of five agreed. People die. And so Jesus did what everyone does. He died. But Easter isn't about Jesus dying. Christianity didn't launch because Jesus died. We're not here because Jesus died. In fact, it's quite the opposite, as we're going to discover. It's that he came back to life. You see, the resurrection of Jesus is what set the Jesus movement in motion. And today I want to discuss that after uh, Jesus was crucified on the cross, Christianity was as dead as he was. It was over before it got started. What's so wild about Christianity is that it goes from being dead to outpacing every movement on the planet. Christianity is an anomaly when it comes to history and growth. It's an outlier. I mean, on this day, billions of people around the world 
Billions around the world are celebrating a Jewish builder who lived thousands of years ago. As you hear my voice right this second, millions of people are celebrating a Christian holiday. It's, it's strange, especially it's strange when we go back and see what happened during the Easter account. Today's largest religion had zero faithful followers at the time of Jesus' death. And yet something happened, something launched this, and this Christianity thing went from zero to 100 real quick, like with a swiftness. What was it? What happened? You know, historians aren't sure exactly what it was, but most, even secular, will point to the resurrection claim as what set it in motion, the turning point. And so today, we find ourselves discussing this whole thing of Easter and the resurrection. Without the resurrection, there is no Easter because without resurrection, we wouldn't even be talking about Jesus today. Without, resur- without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. There is no Jesus movement. So how does it go from zero to billions? It's a good question. And you know, whenever there's a movement, or a religious movement especially, whether it be centered around a deity, or that I'm a deity, or we can jump on a comet and go somewhere, whatever the movement would be, there's kind of a formula it follows. And there's people that study movements, and they kind of have a certain pattern. Here's the pattern. See, someone, a man or a woman, claims to be a guru, a leader, a link, a prophet, whatever they would be, and they have a message. It's as easy as this. Someone teaches something. That's how they start. And the something that this man or woman teaches gives us new perspective on life. I never knew that. New perspective on how we should behave or the afterlife. I never thought of that. We see life, we see ourselves differently. And the movement begins to grow and sometimes it grows by thousands and sometimes it grows by dozens. It doesn't matter. But then something curious always happens in every movement. Every time, the guru, the leader, the Messiah, whoever it would be, whoever the person would claim to be, they die. You know, Muhammad was 60 when he died of natural causes. Buddha was later in life when he died, and depending on which translation you choose, he died either eating some bad pork or a bad mushroom. But he died. They all died. Every guru died. And after that, the followers gathered up their teachings and said, we've got to get these teachings out. We've got to keep them going. So the principles that the guru lived by are kept going as long as people choose to follow. That's how the movement happens, and that's how it keeps going. Religions come and go. They rise and fall and all, the, all the time. And most you and I have never heard of. There's a Messiah or a guru dying probably every day somewhere, and we've never heard of them. But here's the problem with Jesus. Because see, unlike other movements, Jesus wasn't pushing a message. His principles weren't his agenda. Catch me on this. Jesus' principles weren't his agenda. When Jesus died, the disciples didn't get together and gather up his teachings and principles and say, oh, we're not going to let this thing die. And you're thinking, looking at me like, preacher, that is exactly what they did. <laughs> nice try. That's exactly what they did. He died and they said, no, no, we're not done. He might be done, but we're not done. We're going to get all this stuff together and, and, and he died, but we're going to carry this message on. But I want to tell you, that's not what happened when it comes to Jesus. Not really. You see, there was something about Jesus' message that made it hard to transfer after he died. It became intransferable. When he died, his message was moot. And why? It's as simple as this. Because Jesus' message was about Jesus. 
Jesus was the message. He didn't come and say, hey guys, I know the way. I know the truth. Let's go that way and do that. No, let's do that. He came and said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one gets to the Father except for through me. He said that. He claimed, I am it. I am the way. Jesus was the message, and when he died, it died with him. Did you, did you know what? You can't claim to be divine. You can't say that you have power over death and that you were God's son sent from heaven and then die and expect people to take it seriously, right? Right? Like, I have power over all death. Son of God. And then you die and stay dead. I don't know if that was true. I don't, that whole power over death thing didn't work out very well. See, something happened here. When Jesus died, Christianity died. Now let's look at the New Testament because it was written by these eyewitness people who, who knew him or Luke who investigated people who knew him. There's some serious flaws in the New Testament account of what happened. The disciples, disciples kind of messed up on this. Okay, I'm just gonna tell you. They messed up. It was as if they didn't... Um, truly know how to write. They need some writing. They need some writing classes. Because let's be honest, when you write a story about yourself, don't you always make yourself look a little bit better? Like when I go back and I give you an account of my college days, it's going to look a lot different than it actually was. <laughs> These disciples didn't know that. When they wrote themselves in, they wrote themselves in as faithless cowards. It's as if they were telling the whole truth. <laughs> It, honestly, it's a little bit embarrassing when they write it. See, when Jesus was arrested and crucified, the disciples scattered like leaves in the wind. They were nowhere to be found. Peter denied knowing Jesus when a teenage girl asked him, hey, do you, you know Jesus, right? Girl, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, he was, that's how frightened it was. There was no strong, faithful disciples here. When Jesus dies, they crumble. They're holed up in a house wondering what to do with their life. The Bible gives a clear account of two of them who just packed up after he died and just started walking home. Well, that, that sucked. I can't get those years back. I, I guess I'll go home and start a job. Like, what do we do now? We, were, we thought he was the one, and boy, that was kind of a big miss. They were crushed. They wrote the reality of the situation and their faith was just crumbled. They admitted they did not know Jesus would come back to life. And why did they lose faith? Because remember, Jesus was the message. They were following a person, not principles. They were following him to be like him. And when that person was arrested and then publicly tried and beaten and then very publicly executed excruciatingly for hours, they were gutted. They didn't band together and plan to keep his teachings going. He was the teachings. He was the way. We had every, all our faith was in you, and you, you didn't follow through on your part. That's what they were feeling. How do you band together the fur, and further the teachings of a man who said that death could not hold him? Jesus and his teachings consistently pointed to himself and his kingdom. He said this in John 10. He said that he was the giver of eternal life and sent from the heavenly Father. Mark 2, he claimed that he had the power to forgive sins. John 3, he said that those who believe in him will have eternal life. He claims that all who have died, he will call forth. He claimed this and so much more, but he claimed that he was the message. Jesus is the message. So when the man died, the movement died with it. And I just have a question for you. How many Christians were there at the foot of the cross? 
None. None. Now, there was uh, some people there to see a son or some beloved weeping. His mother was there. But there, were nobody, there was nobody there looking for a savior. The disciples are nowhere to be seen. There was no Christians at the cross. And when he died, the movement died with him. He had no disciples because disciples by nature follow. And there was no one left to follow. The story continues. On Sunday morning after sunrise, some women went to the tomb. And I love this because finally, someone's going to check and see if Jesus is alive, right? Right? The women are going to see the Savior. It's time. It's Sunday. He's got to be there, right? They're going to see him resurrected, right? The Bible tells us they showed up with burial spices so that the decomposing body wouldn't smell so bad. These are ladies who've been with him for years, who'd followed him and heard his teachings, and they show up for a burial ritual. How much faith do they have that he's going to raise from the dead if they want to make it not smell? If he's going to raise from the dead, man, smell all you want. You can take a shower afterwards. But they show up with the, with the spices to put on the, the decomposing body to just to have it not smell so soon. Where's the faith? Jesus was the message. They didn't show up to see a, a risen Lord. They showed up to find a body. And the disciples, where were the bo- disciples? I, I always, you would think they would be at the tomb. Like that's the tomb where Jesus is. We should at least be there to see if like what he said was true. Don't you think they should be outside waiting? Like holding a candle vigil? Like something on Facebook? Hey, meet us at the tomb. <laughs> we're all gonna have a candle and we're gonna sing a song. Hope that he, you know, something. You know who was at the tomb? Some guards posted there by, uh, by Pilate so that no one would steal the body. There's guards there. I always thought there'd be a guy at the tomb, like the disciples would be there, and one guy's like, guys, get ready. The sun's coming up. Get ready. Peter, be quiet. Guys, it's about to happen. He said it was going to happen. It's going to happen. Where is that guy? Where's anyone? None of that. When the sun rises on the third day, the disciples are hiding in a house consoling one another and wondering what to do now with their life. So these women show up to spray some cologne on the dead body, but spoiler, (laughs) the body's not there. It's not there. The, The stone is rolled away, the tomb is empty, and they encounter an angelic being who says, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember when he told you when you were in Galilee? Like, Remember that place, that time in Rifle? We, I told you that. Like, they're telling him where it was. Like, oh, yeah. Like, remember that time in Galilee? He said he'd be crucified and on the third day would rise again. The women left the tomb and it said they were bewildered, afraid, yet joyful. Bewildered, afraid, and joyful. So, like, all the emotions, right? It's, it's like, I'm confused. I'm afraid, but I, I think I'm happy. It's that feeling after your first kiss or like on your wedding night. Like, <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. I'm really excited, but I'm really scared. I just left to have, they have no idea. Now, when women get to the disciples, it's finally all going to kick in, isn't it? It's all going to kick in. I mean, there's, surely their spirits, although they're crushed, when they hear that the tomb is empty and that an angel said, he's risen, that little kernel of faith is going to kick in. <gasps> It's all true. Surely they're going to get it, right? They've been with him for three years. Mark tells us, it says this, when Mary went and told the disciples who were mourning and weeping, when they heard it, they did not believe he was alive. They just didn't believe it. Luke, 
in 24 verse 11 says this, the disciples did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. I just want to let that sink in for a second. They said that Jesus was resurrected, that an angel said that he was alive, and the disciples of Jesus thought it was what? Nonsense. How's this Jesus movement going? This Christianity thing, how's it trending here? What do you think? Yeah. They're going to just band together and whip up some teachings. These guys, listen, listen, look at this. These are the people who've been with him for three, three years every single day. They followed their rabbi through every road on every, they saw every miracle. They saw him calm the storm. They saw him raise the dead. They saw him do all these things, feed the 5,000. They saw it. They loved him. They knew him. And when they heard he would rise from the dead, they thought it was nonsense. Just a few chapters earlier in Luke, Jesus pulls them aside and says this to the disciples. We're going to Jerusalem. They went to Jerusalem. And everything that's written in the prophets about the Messiah must be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles who will mock him and insult him and spit on him. They will flog him and beat him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. They had sat there and looked in his eyes as he told them this. They didn't want to believe it. They didn't want to believe it. And when it came time, they couldn't believe it. They watched him die and all their faith died with him. And again, when you write a story, you want to make it believable, correct? Shouldn't they? Shouldn't they at least try? Well, I have to then mention that women in this culture are not valued like they are now. And in fact, at this time, a woman couldn't testify in court. Her testimony was like untrustworthy, they said. So when you write a story, why do you have women be the ones who find an empty tomb? Can I tell you? Can I tell you why when they wrote the story, they said that the women found the empty tomb? Because the women found the empty tomb. <laughs> They're not concocting a plot. They're relaying order of events. And, and, and historians have said, man, these guys, if they are trying, who believe it's fiction, they're, they're writing fiction, they're really bad at it. Like they are shooting themselves over and over and like these, these character choices that the women found the tomb, you just don't, you shouldn't have wrote, you, sh you should have done it differently but they're not worried about doing it differently. They're writing down what happened. The tomb is empty and the disciples don't believe it and think it's nonsense, so Peter and John run to the tomb and when they get there, guess what they find? An empty tomb. And so surely now, it's all clicking, right? Oh, it's all falling into place. It's true, it's true. It's gotta be true. Well, Luke tells us that Peter ran to the tomb, bent over and looked in and saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and then he just went away, wondering to himself what happened don't know what happened there <laughs> still just whew. John writes that when he saw the tomb he just says it we did not understand that Jesus had to rise from the dead so we just went back to where we were staying they saw the tomb that looks empty I guess we should just go back to the house should we just go how awkward is this it was not until Jesus appeared to them that they started to believe. And even then, they thought he was a ghost. He shows up, and it says they just get frightened that they've seen a ghost. They could see him in front of them, and he still didn't believe. He actually asked for something to eat and eats it in front of them. They're like, what's going to happen? <laughs> it just like falls through. No, no, he eats it. And he acts, he's like, hey guys, guys, you, gotta get, you guys got to watch this. 
he eats in front of them to prove he's not a ghost. And they still doubt. He had Thomas touch his hand and his side and his feet. And finally, finally they believe. Okay, and and the, what happens when they believe is just radical transformation. We're no longer, we're no longer looking at cowards here. The, the men and women we see after this look nothing like the people we've been seeing. Even when they were with Jesus, something radical transforms them. They preached, even when they were killed, they preached with fervor and passion and conviction unrivaled. Historians all agree that something happened here that made this catch fire. Because Christianity was dead it was already over. And the people who reemerged from this are not like the same people who went into it. Something happened. Something changed it. And I want to say this. They began to pe- preach and teach, not based on what they had heard, but based on who they had seen. A risen Savior. That's where the transformation came from. It transformed them. After spending some time with the resurrected Jesus, they were changed to their core. Can you imagine um, following somebody who said, yeah, I'm the son of God and I'm gonna die and raise again? And they do. I mean, that's better than any, you see them there, that's better than any Super Bowl, any birthing story, any concert, anything. The inspiration and the, just the conviction of that would come over you at that moment, it happened. You're here, I saw you die, I see you alive. And when you watch those things and they're standing in front of you talking, breathing, alive, that would be a stamp of authority on that person's message. And you would see yourself and your entire life differently. When someone says that they're a God and they're going to rise from the dead, and they do, I would listen to that person. It changes you. Their passion lit up like a bonfire. They went from men and women who were cowered and dejected and heartbroken to people who burned, their hearts burned with passion. They did not burn because of the message. They knew the message. They had the message earlier and it wasn't enough to sustain them. They burned with passion because they were set aflame by Jesus himself resurrected. Jesus was the message. The movement of Jesus didn't come to life until the disciples saw that he was alive. And when they saw that he was alive, Christianity came back to life because he was the message. In fact, to prove this, do you want to know what their first message was? Like their first sermon, the first sermon from the disciples after Jesus is dead, they pour out into the streets and what are they gonna preach about? They have all this good stuff to preach about. Should we, should we do the prodigal son? That'd be a good one, right? We'll talk about the sheep. Oh, no, no, let's do the good Samaritan. That'll be a showstopper. And this is our first sermon, guys. What are we gonna do? Do you know what they did? In Acts, they pour out and they go and they preach and all they preach about is the person. They didn't preach his messages. They preached about the person. They said, Jesus is alive. He was dead, but he is alive. He is the Savior. Turn to him and be risen, and the people are struck. They're shocked by the transformation of these people in front of them and by the teaching, and they actually ask, point blank, what do we do? And Peter answers them, you follow Jesus and be baptized. You follow Jesus for salvation and baptism. See, Jesus is the central element of the Jesus movement. And on that first sermon when they preached Jesus and who he was, 3,000 people came to Jesus. 3,000 people joined the cause. That's like a pastor's dream, you know? I mean, if three come, I'm like, whoa. You know, 3,000 people just, yeah. That's a good day. That's a good day, Charlie. 
from that day on, the movement of Jesus went forth until the ends of the earth. And Jesus actually sat down after he was resurrected and he told them, you're gonna go and you're gonna preach about forgiveness in Jerusalem and it's gonna go to the ends of the earth. And guess what? They believed him now. And they preached with all the conviction and the passion that they had because everything he had told them, he had proven true at his resurrection. But see, it didn't spread with such velocity because the teachings were good. It spread because the Savior was alive. That's why. Now, the teachings are good and they are important, but they do not supersede the Savior. See, religiosity creeps in on us all the time. Anytime we put the principles or traditions of Jesus ahead of the person of Jesus. And the reality is the principles of Jesus can never be more important than the person of Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, the one who came and died and rose again. Central among all things. Always first. Some of you may have been injured by Christianity because you were condemned or beaten by some teaching or some people. But know that Jesus is bigger, he is better, and he calls you to himself. And yes, these principles of his, I'm not saying they're not important, they're very important. They can help you be a better person. They can help you be a better husband, a better wife, a better friend or a worker. They can teach you how to be compassionate and seek justice. They can teach you how to love people better. They can teach you how to love people that hate you. His principles can teach you how to love people you hate. They can change your life. They're beautiful. The teachings are rich, vast. And even if you've been in church your whole life, I want you to be reminded right here at this day. Yeah, I, I know the Easter story. I've been here. I've been, I want you to be reminded that no matter how beautiful the teachings of Jesus are, central to all of it looms Jesus Christ, our Savior, the person who gave his life. Whether you have come to believe in Jesus resurrected or not, be reminded today that Christianity may be complicated by, by rules and man-made biases, but in the end, it is about Jesus Christ dying, raising from the dead, and calling you to follow him. If you're far from Jesus this morning, if you have wandered, no penance needed, no punishment required, no condemnation. If he is who he says he is, then you are forgiven. Come follow him. Jesus is the center. He is at the heart of this movement. Without Jesus at the core, I want to just tell you that all of these teachings are just kind of self-help. Do you know that? Without Jesus, it's just self-help. Self-help is, is temporary while what Jesus offers is eternal. He knows our souls don't need self-help. They need a savior. We need something eternal. Religion says, come and do and do not. Jesus says, come and be. Come and be like me. Come and follow me. And, and what Jesus did is he, he did this. He came, he laid down his life out of love, and he rose again, and that is exactly what he calls us to do. What he did, he calls us to. To come and lay your life down. To lay, the, to lay your striving on your own, to lay that down. And to turn to him and follow him and say, you are the way. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. See, at sunrise, those many years ago, when Jesus rose out of the tomb and no one was there, man, what a moment that would have been if just someone, would, the, the guard is like, got a front row seat. <laughs> Could you imagine? When the, when the sun rose and the, tomb, the stone was rolled away in the tomb, he walked out of the tomb, it was the beginning. 
It was the beginning of something. It was the launch of a movement of redemption and beauty that would spread like a wildfire throughout history, growing and growing and growing, that even today stands as a beacon of light for Jesus' sake. And yes, the message has been hijacked by some, but we need to be reminded that abuses at the hands of religion and people are not the work of Jesus because the work of Jesus flows out of the heart of Jesus. And the work of Jesus and out of the heart of Jesus is love and grace and compassion and justice and freedom and forgiveness for all sins. He calls you to joy, to peace, to resilience, to strength, to community, to love. He calls us to the greatest things there are. Those are the fruit of the people who follow Jesus. Those are the fruit of the people, that should be the fruit of those who follow Jesus. See, Christianity at its heart is not based on doing good works, but upon the relationship. And the more you get to know Jesus, the stronger that becomes. The more you follow him, the more you become like him. And just remember, those of you who've been in church your whole life, I wanna remind you of something. Becoming more like Jesus, well, that's the point of the whole thing. That's worth giving your life to. That's worth giving your heart to. And I told you at the first that if you're a Christian, I want you to reconsider what it means to re-engage, to re-up based on the man of Jesus. If you're not a Christian, I want you to consider, I, I just told you, I want you to consider being a Christian. Why? Because of Easter, because of Jesus, because he is alive and he is active. Christianity is not about following principles, it's about following a person, a living person, so, so, so the question is, what do we do with this? What do you do? What do we do? We do what Peter declared in that first sermon when he was asked, what do we do now? That's what we do. We choose to follow Jesus. That means we turn from a life that we were living. We understand that Jesus is who he says he is and we choose to follow him in his way. We go to him as savior because he died and he rose again for the forgiveness of our sins. And then we get baptized in the name of Jesus. And whether it's for the first time, or the hundredth time, or the thousandth time, that's the decision we make, to follow Jesus, to turn and follow Jesus. Christianity has been very complicated for a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of issues, a lot of do's and don'ts. I just want to remind you that Jesus calls you to himself, to trust in him as Savior, because he died, but he rose again. As Charlie spoke earlier, baptism itself is the picture of laying down your old life and rising again. Baptism is the symbol of what Jesus did. He went to the tomb, he died, and he rose again. He was buried and he rose. And today, we're talking about this, about burying our old life and the new life coming. And my, and my friend Raleigh is gonna come up here and get baptized. Raleigh, you can come on down. You guys wanna help him? This is my friend Raleigh. He is new to the faith. I've known him since uh, high school, yeah? He's gonna tell you how he saw the goodness of God's people. When he appeared to his disciples right there and they touched his body, they found out he was alive. He says this, he says, because you have seen me, you believe, but blessed are those who have not seen me and believe. People, that's us. That's those of us who know and believe that Jesus resurrected. That blessing is for us. We walk in that. We have not seen him in the flesh, but we've, seen, we've believed him in our soul. And today's communion is an open communion for any and all who would say, I believe that. I'm going to step into that. We have the juice, which is the symbol of his blood that was shed on the cross. And the bread is the symbol 
of his body that was broken. And as you get it today, and as you go back to your, just, your seat, I would, I would ask you to just pause. Because the best part of it is we, we don't have um, some empty religion that's dead because the symbols of the crucifixion are the last thing that happened. No, no, he rose again from that. And so as you, as you partake for the forgiveness of sins, remember that Jesus rose again. And it changed history. It changed those people and it's changed many of us. You know, if you are here today, I'm, and this is going to be kind of a funny offer, so this is not for everybody. It might be for nobody. I don't know. Um, but during this time, if, if you're here today and you want to pray, you want, you want to pray with somebody, it could be any, anything in your life. We might have, we're going to have some people up front. If you want to talk about receiving Jesus as your Savior today, and one more thing that I'm just going to, we're going to throw in there. If, if you're here today, and it's Easter Sunday, and you, 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 know, you, you know you believe in Jesus, you could have for 10 minutes, you could have for 10 years, but you've never been baptized. You can come get baptized today. We got spare clothes in the back, um, but Easter Sunday could be your day. That's only if, for, for, I don't know if you're in here, but that would be a cool thing for you if that's true. That's open. So come talk to Charlie or myself up here. And as we close this, listen, the, the, the whole point of this is to be like Jesus. And if you have been here today and you've considered these things, I want to encourage you, you know, a great way to start. Next week we're going to talk about um, what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to love God. Here at the Orchard, we love God, we love people. And that is our next week. And so let's praise him, let's sing, and let's partake communion.